What is prayer? In many ways, prayer is a simple thing to do. But sometimes we can have a limited view of what prayer actually is. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is a means of supplication and making requests to God. It's just that prayer is also more than that. Prayer is both talking to God and having a relationship with Him. Prayer is making yourself available to God and allowing Him to make Himself available to you. Prayer is a way to ask God for provision for tomorrow and a means by which He provides the sustenance we need for today. So we pray not to get our own way, but rather we pray to align ourselves to God's will. We pray not for things that might create independence from God, but rather we pray as an expression of dependence upon God. Yes, God loves to hear our prayers and requests. He listens to them, He delights in them, and He responds to them. It's just that prayer is also where we can confess our sins, praise His goodness, listen to His voice, and be reminded of truth. Prayer isn't just a way to ask for more fruit, but through prayer, we begin to bear more fruit. Prayer isn't just words spoken at specific times during the day. It's living with a mindset that allows God to transform you throughout all of your days. So don't think of prayer as just an activity done before meals or bedtime, but rather think of prayer as a way of life. I don't think I have ever met a Christ follower who devalued the importance of prayer. Don't think I've ever met a Christ follower who have done that. But <laughs> I've met numerous believers who have not put value in the practice of prayer. How many are hearing what I'm saying? It's one thing for us to say we value something. It's another thing for us to put it into practice. That acronym that you'll see in various places in digital media, push, pray until something happens, I think does capture the focus we ought to have when we pray, that something ought to happen when we pray. When people in the Bible prayed, things took place in understanding what those are. So we're talking about what happens when you pray. What happens when you pray? The Bible tells us that when Jesus prayed, his countenance was changed. Prayer is transformational. Jesus prayed and was transfigured before the disciples. The root word for transfigure is also transformed that we find in Romans chapter 12. So prayer is first transformational. It's about changing you and what's happening in you. Then the Bible tells us that when Jesus prayed, his disciples said, teach us to pray. Prayer ought to be inspirational. We ought to be looking for people around us that inspire our walk with God and model after them. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We need those kind of people in our life. So prayer is transformational. Prayer is inspirational. And this morning, I want to deal with the thought that prayer is also supernatural. We need to understand the supernatural dynamic of prayer. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4 if you want to turn over there and follow along with me, Acts chapter 4, focusing primarily on verse 31 and the verses that follow. Prayer touches on the supernatural. Now, at the end of chapter 4, we have a supernatural manifestation that happens in several forms after they pray. But I think it's really important to understand the context of what has just taken place 
prior to their time of prayer. And that begins in chapter 3. So I want to take you on a little bit of a journey leading up to this prayer meeting that happens in chapter 4. What happens that leads to that is a miracle that takes place in chapter 3. The Bible talks about Peter and John going up to the temple of prayer. They went up there on a regular basis. There was a lame man that was there probably every day when they walked by on their way to the time of prayer. And on this particular day, I believe they were moved by the Spirit of God as the man asked for alms. And Peter said, look on us. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have give, or such as I have give I to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man leaping up stood and went into the temple, leaping and praising God. Let me ask you, if you're a lame man laying alongside of the road, would you rather want money or would you want the ability to walk? I don't know how you are, but I'd want the ability to walk. And he's excited. He's thrilled. Peter begins to preach to the crowd about the power of Jesus Christ and the dead religionists that we call Pharisees are opposed to that. And I'll tell you the truth, dead religion always reacts negatively to live demonstrations of God's power. And so they're frustrated. They want it to stop. They're upset by it. And they, uh, they arrest Peter and John. When they bring them in for this trial before the Sanhedrin, do you know what, do you know what Peter and John's appeal is? The guy's healed. Are you upset about a miracle? Are you upset about a good thing? Why are you holding us in court over something that good that happened? And they threaten them, tell them not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus, to not preach that. And they said, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto men, you judge. Or more than unto God, you judge. But we must obey God rather than men. Now, I'm going to pause there just for a moment, obeying God rather than men, because that's kind of a cop-out Christians use. Well, God told me, if the speed limit is 35, God didn't tell you to drive 45. Hello? And when the police officer pulls you over, if you say, I needed to obey God rather than men, I hope he adds to your ticket. <laughs> People say it all the time in this flippant kind of way. When is that appropriate? When you're ordered to do something absolutely contrary to the revealed will of God... You have an obligation to obey God rather than to obey men. And that's the line that Peter and John draw. And so the disciples threat, or the, the Pharisees threaten them further and let them go. Now you might say, what, what's to worry about empty threats? Oh, they weren't empty threats. Do you remember that they crucified Jesus just a little while before this? Do you know what normally happened when a rabble rouser teacher was put to death as others had been. They'd gather up the rabble-rouser followers and put them to death. These weren't idle threats. They were letting them know what was going to happen if they didn't submit and not seeing any other way to threaten them because of the popularity of the crowd, they released them. Right? So you have a miracle, a trial, an appeal based on the miraculous, and they are sent back to their own company. And when they get back to their own people, they ask for a prayer meeting. 
And what happens in this prayer meeting is really, really important. What do they do when they gather together to pray? I love the attitude that happens when they pray. They began by exalting the Lord. When we're in trouble, we often begin by whining to the Lord. They began by exalting the Lord. It's how Jesus taught them to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed, holy, be your name. They begin to pray by exalting him. And then as they pray a little bit further, they present the problem in chapter 4. You can follow there when they describe what was going on. Herod, Pontius Pilate met together. Here's what's all happening. God, now consider their threats. Now, here's where I want to stop in 29. If I were praying this prayer, Lord, consider their threats and shut their mouths. How many are with me so far? You got to see this. I love this attitude. Lord, I would have said, Consider their threats and remove them from power. Consider their threats and make them powerless. That's not what they prayed. They said, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And if healing got us in trouble, let us heal a few more. Shout now, somebody. I'm telling you what, I like that. Here's how they prayed. Lord, they're loud. Make us louder. Because it's sometimes in the moment of that conflict that the glory of God is going to shine the brightest. And the church, listen to me, has never run from a challenge. The church of Jesus Christ has never said, listen, we don't want to go into the fire. We don't want to go into the battle. They don't pray for the voice of the enemy to be silenced. They said, make our voice louder. Give us more power. Give us more miracles. We're ready to do battle for the king. And I have to tell you, I like that spunk. I like that fire. I like that anointing that says when the world gets louder, we're going to get even louder. When they criticize us for our faith, we're going to demonstrate it in even greater ways. Is there anyone in the house this morning? I'm saying to you that the church doesn't say always make the problem go away, but give us the authority and power to conquer the problem. What happened when they prayed? They experienced the supernatural. And I want you to see it manifest in several ways here because prayer isn't just a religious discipline. It changes you, it inspires others, and it releases the power of God. Does anyone believe that this morning? It releases the power of God. I don't understand everything about why God responds in one way and doesn't appear to in another. I'm just going to follow the biblical model and say, God, when the devil's voice is loud, make mine louder. When the devil has done evil, let me sound, let me be stronger. 
Give me your anointing and your authority to meet the devil eye to eye, nose to nose, toe to toe, because greater is he. Is there anyone in the house right now? I said, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And we don't have to back up, shut up, quiet or sit down. We need to go on the offensive against the powers of darkness and not depend on Capitol Hill or Des Moines or any other political structure to pave the way for us. Because he said, I will build my church and the authorities, the gates of hell will not prevail. Why? Because prayer opens the door to the supernatural. Now, what kind of supernatural manifestations? Well, number one, they experienced supernatural power. Look at verse 31. When they prayed, the place was shaken where they were meeting. It shook. <laughs> Can you imagine this morning what we would have done if during worship, the building began to shake. Probably the first reaction would be, turn down the subwoofers. <laughs> and then the next reaction would be, is there an earthquake? It doesn't, I mean, think about that. Has anyone here ever been, I've never been in an earthquake. Anybody ever been through an earthquake? One, two, three, four. I've heard that's a terrifying experience. Well, imagine if the place began to shake, and you can say, well, it probably was just coincidental. I like what I heard one pastor say. Here's what I know about coincidences. You can call my answers to prayer coincidences, but this is what I know. When I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, they don't. I remember when we first started campus ministry at Iowa State, long story behind that, and I just read in the news that they're planning this year to relaunch Visha. Uh, anybody remember Visha? Visha is when they roll police cars and burn furniture in the streets, and you bring in all these out-of-towners to cause trouble. It's just a crazy time, and so they shut it down for years. It was the biggest student-run festival in the U.S. at the time, they've shut it down and they're bringing that back. Well, when we first went to Ames, that rioting had just started to take place. And that next year at Visha, when we'd started a young adult ministry on campus, we began to pray for Visha. And the students said, as we gathered to pray, we hadn't read the weather report, you know, whatever. But it would start on Thursday night. We we're meeting on Thursday night to pray. And one of the young adults, one of the college students said, let's pray that God will send a storm so strong it drives them back into the dorms and back into the fraternities. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I'm not making this up. They began to pray. And after they prayed about 10 minutes, it started to hail. And it drove people back inside and there was no riding on the streets that night. Now, you can do without whatever you want. Well, the weather report, I don't know what the weather report, I just know when they prayed, God heard and it hailed. And you can live in the place of unbelief where you search for a natural uh, reason for everything that happens or you can believe that when you pray, God is ready to release his supernatural 
power. When I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, they don't. The place was shaken. What was God saying? He was saying, I can shake the foundations of the earth. It's described in Hebrews. I will shake everything that can be shaken so only those things which cannot be shaken will remain. And if he can shake a house without having it crumble, listen, he can shake the world that you live in. We serve a building-shaking God. We serve a nation-shaking God. And if you need a natural manifestation of God's power, he's able to do that today. One of the marks of Pentecostal faith is we believe that God's demonstrations of power are real. I will tell you about those demonstrations of power. God doesn't demonstrate his power so that you can be entertained. And I don't think he does demonstrations of power so that you don't have to do anything. But there are those moments. How many have been in a moment when there was no help from any other source and you needed God to show up in that moment? Is there anyone in the house who would say, I've had God meet me by shaking the place I was in? God is able to do that. We need to believe and trust in the supernatural power of God. We are called to walk in supernatural power. Church, here's what I'm going to ask you about prayer. That we not be satisfied with the level of the supernatural we've seen, but that we begin to believe God for more of the supernatural. God, let this be a place where healings are released. Let this be a place where your power is manifested. Let this be a place. I was just told this morning, didn't plan to say this, but the Knutsons, how many, some of you know Jeff Knutson and have seen on Facebook their granddaughter that's in the hospital waiting a double lung transplant who's never been um, home. She's been in the hospital since birth. And they're believing for God to heal. And I'm not telling you what you need to believe, but this is how I've lived my life. As long as there's breath, there's hope. And when I pray, I'm going to ask God for what I want. And I'm praying for God to raise up a little girl in a hospital bed by whatever means he chooses, that he'll do a miracle in that body. That's what I'm asking for. And I'm asking you to join me. Let's ask for that and let's begin to see. Is there anyone in the house this morning that believes that God still does the supernatural today? Let's believe for that. <laughs> Adam and Casey, I didn't ask you ahead of time if I could do this. But I remember the diagnosis that Riker had when he was born. Where'd you go? Where are you? There you are. He wasn't, he wasn't supposed to hardly be functional. And uh, I watched him on Facebook this week pick up a basketball in those little kids' things and fling it over his head and slam it through the hoop. You can believe what you want to believe, and you can say it's therapy, it's doc. You can believe whatever you want to believe. I don't care. I just know that the church prayed, they prayed, people prayed, and God's answering, and miracles are happening. I'm telling you, it's time for the church to rise up and say, make us louder. Make us louder than the enemy. Make us more powerful than his defeat. As long as there's breath and life, I'm believing for hope. These signs shall follow them that believe. I am tired of Pentecostal believers, Christ followers, who are chasing after signs and looking for miracles. We're not told to look for them. We're told to live in such a way that they follow us. How's that going to happen when we pray? These signs shall follow them that believe. The first thing they experienced was supernatural power. The building shook where they were. 
Second, they experience a supernatural presence. <laughs> Is anybody going to help me this morning? You're all looking like, when's lunch? <laughs> this is easier if you help me. Supernatural presence of God. The Bible says that when the place was shaken, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, weren't they filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2? Yes, they were. But after you have a powerful encounter with God, where you feel like you can run through a troop and jump over a wall, there's nothing impossible for you. How many after those moments of great victory in your life and a sense of his presence, you felt empty again? Three of us. The rest of you are just wonderful all the time or you're dead all the time. I don't know which. Old Southern preacher said, why did they have to be refilled? And he said, I don't know about them. I just know about me. I know that I'm a bucket that God fills, and I know that this bucket leaks. And when it leaks, I need it filled up again. Amen? I need it filled up again. We need regular times in the presence of God that we are refilled with his spirit. What does that mean? That energizing, overwhelming sense of God. And I know we don't live by feelings. I know we can't be governed by that. But anybody that doesn't have any feelings is dead. An overwhelming sense of the presence of God. The Bible says in verse 33, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Now watch this. This sense of God's presence. How many of you would like to see God change America? How many would like to see a revival come to America? that changes our land. How many would like to see the grace of God roll over the U.S. like the waters cover the sea? I'm going to tell you how it happens. It's when God's grace is powerfully at work in the people of God. We have no business praying for God's grace to change our world if his grace isn't working. It didn't say working mightily in the world, but working mightily in them. Is God's grace working mightily in us? Is there a presence of God that's shaping us, that's correcting us, that's molding us, that's helping us, that we're allowing to flow through us and in us and among us? His unmerited favor, his presence is transformational. And we talk a lot about being people of the Spirit that we want to be led by the Spirit. If any man have not the Spirit of God, he's none of his. As men as you're led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We need to be people of the Spirit, according to Romans chapter 8. But that means then we're responding to the Spirit of God. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begins there, what will the end of the others be? It's got to start with us. And in praying for the healing of the nation, it says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, when we allow God's grace to work mightily in us, he says, Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. The supernatural power of God that shakes the house also needs to shake us from time to time. <laughs> Corrects us, changes us. We ought to be manifestations of his powerful grace. Hello? 
We ought to be manifestations of his powerful grace. They saw supernatural power. They experienced a supernatural presence. And I was going to move on, but I, I want to pause just one more moment when we worship. I talked about it last week, and I'll keep talking about it. As long as I'm here, we'll talk about it. That our worship team has no desire to be viewed as a performance that you admire, but an experience that we enter into together. That during worship, we ought to experience the power of God. It's what will keep us spiritually alive and vibrant, is allowing the grace of God to touch us, to shape us, and change us. And that often happens in worship. It happens in Bible study. It happens in a number of places. But we need his supernatural spirit, his presence, working mightily among us. If we want to see miracles happen in the world, miracles need to happen in our world. Third, they experienced supernatural proclamation. Verse 31. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Without going into a deep theological discussion, there's a theme in Luke Acts pneumatology or studies of the Holy Spirit that connect to the Old Testament. Do you know what the sign of the presence of God was in the Old Testament? It was supernatural, ecstatic praise and prophecy. You knew they were a prophet when the Spirit of God came on them and they spoke under the anointing of the Spirit. It was an anointed tongue that carries over to the book of Acts and through the book of Acts and is manifested in the Gospel of Luke that there is this anointing that comes on the tongue. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll do what? You will be witnesses. We need God to anoint our tongues. The world's bold. Hello? Yeah. The world's bold. Well, I listen to some of those late night talk show bullies. That was my fourth choice of word. <laughs> my wife's looking at me and I thought, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, bullies will work. <laughs> Who think they know everything and are just so smart. You read scientists who think they know everything and are just oh so smart. I'll never forget when we hosted, how many remember when we hosted the Sheepdog Conference here? We teamed with the city and it was about um, shootings in churches and, and what we could do. And then had someone inform me that because we were hosting it with the city, we couldn't read scripture and we couldn't pray. And I thought, I'm going to take the first hour and just read the word of God. Then I'm going to pray for an hour. I mean, I just think there's times that we need to step up. And I understand, I'm different than some of you are. <laughs> Careful there, brother. I don't run from conflict. Sometimes I should. I get that. But some of you need to quit running away from it. Time for the church to buckle in. And when the voice of the enemy rears up, God anoint my tongue. 
Give me a word that will cut through the fog, that will cut through the mess. Give me something to say. Well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a prophet. I'm not whatever you fill in the blank. If you are a child of God and you experience the power of God, he can put a supernatural word in your mouth. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing in all the world like experiencing the voice of God coming out of your mouth that begins to change people that you're speaking to. His word is a sharp sword. Let's let it go out of our mouth, not in meanness, but to set people free, to cut through the rhetoric, to cut through the darkness. And I am an unashamed, blood-washed, Bible-believing child of God, and I want my words to carry the anointing of his spirit in a world of darkness because that's what prayer will do. It'll give you a word to be sounded that even the naysayers can't respond to. One of the most important things in this whole story, that healing that took place when they're questioning Peter and John, I love what they said about them. They took knowledge of them. They're unlearned and ignorant men. That doesn't mean stupid. It means they were clearly untrained in the normal rabbinical schools of the day. But they took knowledge of them when they spoke that they had been with Jesus. You know what that means? Rabbis traveled with disciples. It was common in that day. And you would listen to the rabbi and live like the rabbi and talk like the rabbi. Here's what they're saying. These men, these men sound just like Jesus. <laughs> Whoo! I said, these men sound just like Jesus. They talk like him. They act like him. We thought we got rid of him, and apparently there's a bunch more of him running around the world that we live in. You can get rid of one of us, but there's a dozen more that are going to rise up because there's a supernatural power that God's put on my tongue, on your tongue, and I'm longing for the day that when we speak, people begin to say, when you talk to someone from Berean, it sounds a lot like God. <laughs> it sounds a lot like Jesus. That's what I think Jesus would say. I don't say this for any pat on my back. I say it as a challenge and an inspiration to you. The greatest compliment I'd ever received in my life didn't happen while I was preaching. I was having coffee with a Muslim. And we had talked several times, and in this particular time, I said to him, because I'm not, I'm not, I don't back up from my faith. And we we're having these conversations. See, you can have conversations that don't drive people away if there's an anointing of the Spirit on what you have to say. Hello? And I said to him, have I been offensive to you? Have I treated you in any way inappropriately? And here's what he said. In my mind, the way you have talked to me and the way you've treated me is the way I believe that Jesus, this, I'm talking about a Muslim, the way that Jesus would treat me and talk to me. I'm telling you that's the goal. That's not a study. That's an anointing of the Spirit. I'm not telling you that to pat me on the back. I'm saying that's what we, how many are hearing me right now? That's what we ought to seek after. When people say, I think that's what Jesus would say to me. I think that's the way Jesus would treat me. 
there was a spirit anointed proclamation that came with boldness. Supernatural proclamation. <laughs> Can I meddle with you a little bit? We're coming up on Easter, Resurrection Sunday. How many know that's coming up pretty quickly? And the whole world is open in some level to these conversations. Let's leverage the cultural moment to put boldness in our speech. I don't, I don't care what your traditions are. I really don't. Don't get upset at me. I'm, I, you can do whatever you want to do. But understand that Easter isn't about cultural traditions. It's about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let's not let that get lost. How many are hearing me now? Let's not let that get lost in whatever we do for celebration. And the world is listening. Let's let our voice be heard. Let's leverage the moment and share with people about Jesus Christ. We're people of the Spirit, Spirit-empowered witness. Unfortunately, people will say to me, Pastor, I don't say anything. I just let my little light shine. <laughs> that must be in Hezekiah, chapter 11. And if you're looking for it right now, you need to spend more time in your Bible. <laughs> How? Read Romans chapter 10. Yes, you're to let your light shine so they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But he says, how can they believe in Romans 10? How can they believe in him in whom, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's not talking about an office. That's talking about someone who speaks. You will be witnesses in word. A verbal witness of the gospel is what we are called to do. And there'll be moments for you to offer that. Let's not just give cookies to our neighbors. Let's give cookies to our neighbors in Jesus' name, praying a blessing on their house. How many are hearing me now? Let's make sure that our witness is clear because one of the things they experienced was, was, a, was a supernatural proclamation of the truth. Number four, supernatural purpose. This, is, this gets me really excited. Supernatural purpose. Are you okay? Are we still good? Yes. Two hands are all I need. Thank you. Got them both. Look at verse 32. After... After they prayed, all the believers were one in heart and mind. That is a miracle greater than raising the dead. Really? You want to see someone raise the dead? I want to see a body in unity. Let me tell you why I believe that a body in unity is greater than raising the dead. Because when you raise the dead, the dead don't have to cooperate. They just have to wake up. But to be of one heart and one mind, I'm pretty sure in a matter of moments I could divide the house in just a few statements. Can I? 
<laughs> no, don't, don't, please don't, don't. All I have to do is say Trump. <laughs> House is divided. Talk about politics. House is divided. We can talk about a number of things. And I'm not saying we need to have unity there. I'm saying when we come into God's house and he is present, we will have a single purpose. We'll, ha we'll have a single purpose. It won't be, I think we ought to do this and we ought to do this and we ought to do this. There was a single purpose and a single mind because God does when he moves into a room what no other power can do and what no other teaching can do and what no other exercise can do because he brings us all together. There was a supernatural sense of purpose. One heart and one mind is a work of the spirit. I believe our goal should be every time we gather, make a decision to be able to say what they said in the book of Acts, that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I'm talking about the supernatural purpose of God. And how did that supernatural purpose of God, one mind and one heart, show itself? It showed itself with generosity. A church that's not generous doesn't share the same purpose. It says they were of one heart and one mind, and they shared everything they had was a sense of generosity that isn't our nature it's not the way we typically act they shared everything word share has to do with fellowship and it's a really important one and i do believe we need to be responsible with our finances, and I think we need to be accountable, and they need to be the best big business practices, and they need to be reviewed and held to scrutiny. Don't misunderstand what I'm going to say next. But when we're more concerned about balancing the budget than we are the number of people we baptize, we've lost our purpose. When we're more concerned about balancing the budget than we are leading people to Jesus, we've lost our purpose. I've dealt with churches that would be totally satisfied if they could operate in the black and no one has found Jesus as Lord and Savior in the last 10 years. It doesn't matter how healthy you are financially if you're not healthy spiritually and generous people are responding to a single mind and a single heart and what needs to happen to us is we need to quit letting our wallet rule our decision when it comes to spiritual matters and start letting the Spirit of God rule our direction that we're willing to share everything we have if it means that we can reach this world for Jesus Christ and to release our resources in such a way that men, women, boys, and girls will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what ought to, that ought to be what drives us. We have a Kingdom Builders Fund that we're giving to other churches to help them reach lost people. We want to be an asset to churches around us and invest in them um, and help them because the kingdom of God is bigger than Berean. And when we get all in one mind and one heart, resources will be released. God's plan will be furthered because a unity of heart and mind produces generosity in giving. That's the truth. It's what they responded with immediately. And what I appreciate here is there wasn't, 
There wasn't a capital campaign to twist their arms. No one had to say to them, or a, a, a tithing drive, or some kind of a recruitment, there was something that they immediately responded to. Do you remember when they were raising money and goods for the tabernacle and, and, and they had to put a stop to the offerings because there was too much? I'd love to be able to see that. Come next Sunday and say, folks, listen, we're having trouble figuring out how to invest everything you're giving into the kingdom. <laughs> you know, I have missionaries that are waiting in line for support. I had another one contact me Thursday. Hey, we just want to come. We just want to share. We just want to be a part. And the only thing holding them back is money. One mind and one heart produces spiritual generosity. We're called to unity. We're called to labor together. We're not called to fight. And unity is not sustainable by any human means. We must have the mind of Christ. There was a supernatural purpose. And then verse 34, there was supernatural provision. Verse 34 says that there was no needy person among them. You have to understand at this time, there was no safety net, there was no social security, there was no welfare, there were no food stamps, there wasn't, there wasn't any of that available. And many of them, when they identified with the church, became outcasts and there was no resource to build the church. And so there were people that had needs and there was nowhere to go. But when the people of God were generous with those that were accountable to the church, their needs were being met. God provided enough for everyone. How many of you think that sounds wonderful, that God provided enough for everyone? <laughs> oh, let me see your hands again. You know how that happened, right? You know how that happened, right? It didn't rain down from heaven. I listened to the testimony of a pastor. They're going into a building campaign, and he said, God has all the money we need to build our new building." One of the men afterwards said, Pastor, I'm so glad you said that God had all the money we need because I was afraid you are going to try to get it from us. <laughs> oh, he has it. It's just locked up in some wallets and purses and bank accounts. And I'm not raising money this morning. I'm just telling you that money is at the core and fiber of who we are. And what God is supreme and supernatural powers released, there will be supernatural provision. People were willing to liquidate for the kingdom. It's called being downwardly mobile, willing to give up things so the kingdom could advance. They sold houses and lands and brought them in to the work of the kingdom. What are we willing to do to build his kingdom? Because God most often provides for his people through his people. God most often provides for his people through his people. Divine provision often comes through human hands. It's the supernatural with natural involvement. Pastor Nathan, would you come, please? I'm talking about prayer moving us into the supernatural. Prayer moving us into a place of God's power and God's um, supernatural touch. What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. There is supernatural power. A supernatural presence, a supernatural proclamation, 
a supernatural purpose and supernatural provision. I know that's a lot to remember. Just read that chapter and look at all the ways the supernatural manifested it. And my prayer is God make Berean church a church of the supernatural. Do you know that we're living in a time where the church is in decline? I think I read on average in the U.S. this year, 20 churches will close a day. We're not planting that many as you add them all up. 20 churches will close every day in 2020. But there is an element in the church that's growing. And it's the Pentecostal church. And secular writers are examining why Pentecostal churches are bucking the trend. And I'm going to tell you why I think that is. We're living in a culture that's rejecting religion and embracing spirituality. They're rejecting form and looking for something that's real. We have a name that we live. We better not be dead. We need to be able to say to the world, we honestly believe that joining together with us for worship and following after Jesus releases the supernatural in your life and then we need to be able to show it. Come on, someone help me now. That happens when we pray. Would you stand with me? Thursday night, we hosted a banquet for the leaders of central Iowa. Pastors and boards, spouses all gathered together and I was standing at the back and a couple walked up to me and I said, how are you doing? And they said, good, but I could see in her face. You know how you can see in someone's face when they're not good? And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I just got news about a situation this morning and she began to cry. And I said, I felt like God gave me a word for her that I want to give to you this morning. I said, we're here at a banquet, but he has another banqueting table. And he has a plate prepared for you. If you'll take his plate, he'll meet your need. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? Whatever you came in with this morning, we serve a supernatural God who can meet you right where you are. And he prepared a plate for you this morning. He prepares a banqueting table in the presence of your, he's prepared a table for you. Will you take the plate and say, Jesus, help me walk in the supernatural. Help me walk out of the natural into the supernatural. Well, Pastor Nathan leads us in just a moment. Would you just ask him, if you're comfortable raising your hands, you don't have to do that. But would you in some way just say, Jesus, help me help me enter into the supernatural realm in every dynamic of my life. Would you right now in some way just ask him for that? God, make my prayer supernatural. Help me walk in the supernatural to see your power, to proclaim your word, to have a single purpose, to experience your provision, to experience your presence. That's supernatural power. God, we want to walk in the supernatural power. Let this be a place where you shake. God, would you shake Berean Church? Would you shake Berean Church? God, would you let it be because we prayed that you shook our church?
just for a moment with no one looking around please head, heads bowed eyes closed but I really felt like God spoke to me that you came in this morning someone came in this morning feeling totally empty and your thought was pastor you have no idea how long I've just felt empty totally empty and I need an infilling of God's spirit he hears you he sees you and he doesn't want you to stay in that place so on the balcony on the main floor the main uh, or in the chapel if that's you, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to do anything. I just want you to lift your hand um, and say, I need that. I've been in. Thank you. Thank you. Hold them up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all around. Just hold them up. Hold them up just for a moment. Jesus, you see the hands that are raised. And we're admitting to you that we're empty. We admit to you that we're empty. And we're asking you right now to come by. Jesus, ask for everyone whose hand is lifted that they will right now experience a supernatural touch from you that they'll feel your spirit in a fresh new way today. Right now in the name of Jesus, that they will feel a fresh new touch from you right now. That there'll be something new that awakens on the inside. Jesus, let there be an infilling of your spirit, a refreshing that comes from you. Something new right now. Jesus, we're asking for a fresh touch from heaven right now that will change the way Jesus, I ask that as we go from this place, that you will create in us a hunger for prayer, prayer that is transformational, prayer that is inspirational, and prayer that is supernatural. Let this be a place where signs follow believers, we ask in the matchless name of Jesus. And everyone in agreement said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Turn and greet someone. Be an encouragement to someone today. Bless someone in Jesus' name.